Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you been seriously injured? Mama Justice is here for you. Our medical team partners with top-notch doctors, surgeons, therapists, and urologists, ensuring a comprehensive recovery journey. If you've been injured, call Mama Justice today. We're here for you. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi. Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi. Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You're tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. We've got Rhino in studio today. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from your Super Talk Mississippi app. Of course, you can always find us on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. And you can watch us, too. We are on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. You'll see I'm not alone in the studio today. I always like to have visitors join us. And today we're here to talk about... C Spire, who was recently notified that it had been recognized by Newsweek as one of America's greatest workplaces for diversity. I think that's a great thing. Joining us in studio today is Marcus Johnson. He's Senior Manager of Engagement and Productivity for C Spire. And we got Jim Richardson. He's a VP of Corporate Communications as well. So welcome and congratulations. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. Well, I loved, Jim, that you were sharing that you guys just woke up, checked email one day, and found out that you had gotten this recognition. So how is it determined? How do they figure out who deserves uh, this sort of highlight? Yeah, it's, it's really neat. Uh, so news, the Newsweek organization hired a third-party uh, research firm called Plant A Insights Group, and, and so they drove all of the research, and they looked at 34 different industries that were divided into six uh, sector groups, and of course technology was one of, one of those groups, and uh, Seaspire was, uh, was a winner in the technology uh, category, and uh, you know, it's it, it's really great. I think it just the, the award itself emphasizes the importance uh, that companies have on diversity today in the work force and how important that is and uh, from a scoring standpoint it's it's really was based on interviews by hr professionals uh, and then anonymous surveys that went out uh, to companies with a thousand or more u.s based employees and the surveys you know asked questions about the company culture and the working environment and you know all of those types of things that uh, that they were familiar with with their company and they also asked them questions about other companies as well and uh, obviously all rolled together there were a lot of surveys I think it was over 350,000 uh, company reviews that were handled. So uh, once we kind of took a look at it, saw that, hey, this is legit, you know, not only Newsweek, but the research that went into it, uh, this is a great award and something we're really, really proud of. What so. I think is the good part is it wasn't like you were going out, Marcus, and trying to intentionally whatever on the inside to get this award. You were just going by C Spire's, I guess, internal standards, yeah. and then it was recognized. Yeah, I think you hit, you hit it right on the head, right? It wasn't an initiative that we needed to start last 
last year or a year before uh, to hit a quota or hit a number of exactly what we wanted. Uh, it's in our DNA uh, to make sure we have a competitive advantage, uh, to always look where we want to be in the future. And the only way you do that is by having diverse thought, having individuals who have different perspectives of how to win. And um, as we'll talk later on about some of our committees and initiatives, uh, we want to win together. And the best way to, for us to do that is to make it feel welcoming as a natural company, right? Uh, not have a number of exactly where you want people to be, but make it competitive for people to do what they do best, um, no matter who it is. And in the, end, in the end, you get an email later on and says, hey, you guys did really great with this. <laughs> and so we just look back and say, well, look at that. The DNA just kind of takes care of itself. So, yeah. And then you just keep moving forward doing sort of the same thing, right? I mean, Jim, I mean, Ceasefire obviously has been successful from diversity from now, but is it something you lean into more knowing that it's, you know, a, a bigger deal or is it something you go, it's working, you know, the, the recipe's right, let's just keep cooking in yeah, the kitchen? you know, that's a good question. I mean, we have been dedicated to diversity and equality for a long time, but like Marcus said, we didn't necessarily have to go out and, and create programs or, or anything. We just kind of look back at how we've been doing business and then use that as a roadmap, uh, you know, for the future and, uh, and really try to uh, build our workforce to match up with the customer base that we're trying to attract as well, and that, that has served us. It's been a recipe that served us well for a long, long time. And, you know, and really, I think to Marcus's point, it's really more about uh, giving opportunity to those folks who, who come in and want to be a part of winning. Uh, we're an extremely aggressive company. We've had a, a long history of success, and it really, a lot of that success goes back to the employees. And, you know, we've got a lot of examples. I love to use the example of our chief people officer, which is a fancy name for our HR, the, the head of HR, uh, but she's an African-American woman, which in the technology world is is very unique and very, very rare, so that's something that we're proud of, but we've also invested in a lot of sponsorships and programs over time that, uh, that you know, that really reflect uh, upon the diversity in our footprint. So, yeah. You know, Marcus, as senior manager of engagement and productivity, I'm like, ooh, engagement with all of the employees <laughs> and all of the community that you have there, how is is it when you get them all engaging and you get them all communicating and you get them all on the same sort of team, then winning's the only result that you're probably going to get. Yeah, you know, engagement is just a very interesting word. It's a it's a new subsect, I would say, of HR that I've uh, been a part of, and it's really um, not just our industry. I think any company that's forward thinking has somebody thinking about this at scale. Um, and so, the big part part of engagement is really making people feel bought in uh, that they can give you feedback, which we do a little bit with focus groups when we want to know a little bit more about some new initiatives or things that we want to hit a certain demographic or a certain area uh, of a company or something that's new. Um, and I think with engagement, it's how people feel really about um, 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 the company, right, or being able to give back uh, feedback about what they would like to see. So uh, I enjoy being a part of, uh, or at least now chairing our um, Winning Together Committee. Um, I think that what we're focused on, and if you were to look on our website, you'll see a little bit of our purpose statement. It really is to to figure out exactly how do we continue to make most people feel connected, not just in the workplace, but exactly with what Seaspire's missions, values, and core beliefs are. So at the end of the day, uh, a lot of that has to do with um, knowing that we're always looking to be better when it comes to the people aspect. And from an engagement standpoint, we look at certain things, turnover. You look at other things like, uh, you know, promotion rates. There's a lot of small indicators that can tell you when you're doing things right. And so that's more of the checks and balances on the back end that may be may 
may not get a lot of fanfare, mm-hmm. right? A lot of people right. don't know what we're doing to strategically make sure that we're supporting, you know, these efforts. But uh, again, it's the, the fun part is that we're not out here just saying, I need a certain number and a certain look and a certain person. It really is just making people feel really engaged to say, like, I know it's taken care of. I got the right environment for it. When you take care, when a company takes care of their people, they will take care of your customers, yeah. right? Absolutely. And one thing that you are also winning at at C Spire is the coding, the STEM, the mm-hmm. computer science, the technology, which as a mom of a, a fifth grader going into sixth grade and learning about coding and, and building the robots, it excites, it excites me. <laughs> so you guys still in on that initiative? Got your hands in, stirring in that pot? Yeah, we really really are. Uh, we call it our tech movement. Uh, we've had it for several years, and it really fits within the diversity realm as well because a lot of the things that we do has really been about trying to help students realize the opportunities that are out there from a coding standpoint, computer science standpoint, and you know, we've hosted um, you know coding challenges. We've uh, developed a years ago a, a, a base camp coding academy. Uh, we have, I believe, about twenty twenty five employees now that came from base camp uh, coding academy. Those are employees who uh, I think are very diverse uh, from a background standpoint, and uh, many of which did not go to college. In other words, they've graduated. They had the, they had the intellect, but maybe didn't have the means to go on, and so they went to the coding academy, uh, buckled down worked hard for a year learning how to code and really progressing and receiving a certificate and were able to be hired by not just us but by companies like us yeah. and so I think that initiative has been really really strong and yeah we've, we've really pushed computer science really just trying to create awareness of the opportunities out there for students uh, really across our region but specifically in Mississippi I mean the tech movement originally was known as you know is, is or the, the uh, strategic reason behind it was trying to move Mississippi forward or via technology. And, uh, again, it just fits well for what we're doing, the company that we are, and uh, continuing to, to grow you know, each and every day. So. And I think you will continue to do new programs. So, Marcus, is there something new on the horizon or what's been going on next? Or what will C Spire be doing next? C Spire is always looking to do something new and big. I'll be honest with you. If, you, <laughs> if you've been here, it doesn't matter if you've been here 30-plus years or five years. Um, we're always looking for new initiatives for us to uh, to take on, too. So we're, we're really focused on our, our people leaders right now. Um, there's a lot of initiatives that we're doing right now to make, uh, make sure that the people that are leading our folks right at scale, we started in Mississippi, but now we span to Alabama, Tennessee, and who knows where next, right? Um, how do we make sure that our managers who touch people on a uh, regular basis are bought in and understand exactly what our core mission is to do? Um, and so being able to sprinkle in some things to say, hey, let's just make sure that we're uh, building teams that are reflective of the communities that we're in, uh, making sure that we're offering those same great core principles and, and traits that we've uh, uh, that we've established over the last 35 years, uh, making sure that's still is a part of our DNA as we continue to expand throughout the southeast and our region. So, um, yeah, we're focused on all our managers. I, I communicate with them on a regular basis. Cause, How many you got? Oh, uh, he's like, you we, a, we got a solid number. I could tell you that number, yeah. I, but I, I'll just say this. Um, to, to support 1,800 people, That's it takes some really special uh, folks to say, hey, because uh, managing, right, is a job on top of a job. You got a lot of things that you have to do as a manager, but then think, thinking about the people and making sure that you're strategic and how you're formulating your plan, growing your people. That's a, a, a bit of a task, so I'm here to support them in that. Well, again, right. congratulations, guys. Again, that ceasefire, one of America's greatest workplaces for diversity, says Newsweek. And but we knew that right here in Mississippi. So, uh, congratulations and thank you for your time. Yeah. Thank you, thank Rebecca. you. It's All right, here. you guys stick with us. We got some more good for you coming up next. Yes, your 
Making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi. Good things. We are on computer and mobile device. You can watch us too. We're on Roku, Amazon Fire TV devices. We're even on YouTube. You can also watch Good Things live on C Spire TV if you've got that. We are on Channel 70 right next to the Weather Channel, which is singing Mississippi weather praises today. At least it is dang near a perfect day in Mississippi. You can also catch good things in podcast form wherever you listen to podcasts. And Rhino let me in on a little secret about a milestone good things is reaching, I guess, today. Right? Yeah, with today's episode. With today's episode, we are reaching 600 episodes on our podcast, which is mind-numbing. And if you want to listen to all of them, it would do what? Yeah, if you listen to every single good things podcast available end-to-end, and you didn't take any breaks. So if you just started it and let it run, it would take you 25 days. And if you do that, I'll personally buy you a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to prove it. <laughs> I don't know what T-shirt will be. Probably a cheap one. But there you go. Uh, no, but you guys really do make good things great. We've had fun. I, I would have to get back and do the calculations. You know, six years, June 1st for us here. I know we've had over 600 episodes. We haven't always had the podcast. But, hey, that's a huge uh, feat. I think that's um, that's that's pretty cool. So you can never miss a good things if you subscribe. Subscribe to it wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can still catch and not miss uh, the Mississippians on American Idol. Man, they're racking up. It's almost like holding your breath now. How cool would it be to get down to the top two? And they both be – and what what are the odds that they could both be not one from Mississippi and then two, though – well, from like the same area, sort of the same town. Talking about Zachariah Smith and Colin Strau. I mean, you advanced. can get wonky with the probabilities, and I'm, well, I'm sure math is math is hard. You so. could you could really get in the weeds if you're trying to figure out their odds of of being in the top ten from Mississippi. Mm-hmm. But just looking at the top ten and taking any and all discrepancies between the the competitors out of it, and just looking at the numbers. Mississippi's got a one in five chance of walking away with an American Idol winner. That's really cool. Do we we have a, we have not had one of those yet, have we? Mm. Well, we've had we've had obviously we've had a voice winner. We did not get an AGT winner, but let's say that those ladies walked away a massive winner off of AGT. Um, but I don't know if we've ever had American Idol winner. I know we've had American Idol. Trent Harmon. Oh, what year? From Amory, Mississippi. Oh, well, it, okay. So same area. What are y'all doing in Amory? Is he it won in the, water? the 15th season of American Idol. Oh, man. And Amory already has. Oh, Trent Harmon, forgive me. We have had one and two from Mississippi before. You guys know your American Idol history. It's not my go-to show. 
But let's face it, there's so many shows now and so many Mississippians doing really great things. We need a Rolodex index. We need a little dictionary, our own little Wikipedia page of all things Mississippian reality TV shows. So as for us to be able to to keep up. But I think that's really cool. I also think it's really random and neat that they're all coming from that that uh, specific area in, in Mississippi. So kudos to them. So they did make the top 10. And so I'm assuming it'll be next week that they'll have another cut. I think the cut is tonight. I think oh, okay. three are going home tonight. Oh, gotcha. Well, we'll hopefully we'll have some good news for you. Uh, coming up um, tomorrow, even Slimmer Odds is being asked to play in person at the St. Patrick's Feast in Ireland. But one Mississippi band is getting to go. That South Jones band, they're get, they got invited to the 2026. So they got to wait just a teeny tiny amount for the St. Patrick's Feast in Ireland. That South Jones High School marching band. And it's going to be in Dublin, Ireland. How much fun is that? The band members learned about the invitation Friday in a surprise announcement at the school auditorium. Man, how cool would that be to go to, like, you get called to the auditorium. You remember what that was like? And you have to sit there, and you're like, what's happening? Are we all in trouble? You know, are we getting out early? What's the thing? And it's like, no, man, you get to go to Dublin, Ireland, and play in a legit St. Patrick's parade. I imagine it would be a bit bittersweet for the upperclassmen, because they're probably not going to be around when they get to make well, the trip. We'll but you got to have that much time, especially for something like a, a big band. you got to have enough time for the Planning. band members to plan it, raise money, do fundraisers, all that fun stuff, just to go. Well, we are getting um, band director Brian Joyce on the show soon, um, before 2026, I promise. And we'll ask him that, because in my mind, I'm thinking, even if maybe if you are an upperclassman, if you are selected and you still want to pay and like, I wonder if you can still like go with the band and how that sort of. Oh, I'm sure with that many it. high schoolers, you need chaperones. And well, about three be... years out of high school, you are not chaperone age. Oh, yeah. No. I chaperoned at that age. That doesn't mean you were good at it. <laughs> Everybody so, came home in one piece. Low standards. <laughs> <laughs> Little Johnny made it home. Rhino did his job. What? That would be you would be twenty one chaperoning your eighteen year old friends. That's a terrible idea. That's I think a, I was actually younger than twenty one. Well, I think I was like graduate. nineteen when I chaperoned. In fairness, I was chaperoning eighth grade guys. Probably not to uh, to Dublin, Ireland. No. Right. But it was to the beach. Well, maybe that, you know, I mean, maybe, I don't know. We, so all these, <laughs> these are all the questions that we will ask whenever we get Brian, when we hit Brian on and sort of figure it out. If he's listening, he's probably like, oh, gosh, I'm backing out of this. This is <laughs> not out of a trip, out of, of having, out of having um, this conversation. Would you, but so you would, I, I just don't know if I have it in me to chaperone. I hate... Even whenever I have to do field trips with teachers and whatever, like go, and then they pair you with someone else's kid, even if it's like to the zoo or, you know, whatever the little museum that you go to, because it's that instant fear of like, well, now I'm responsible for someone else's kid. Clearly, I've kept mine alive and out of jail for the last 10 years. I'm doing fine. But 
immediately it's this panic of, do you have any allergies? Are you a sprinter? Are you running away? Like, stick with me. You know, you're not dying on my watch or whatever it may be. And so I couldn't imagine taking on that responsibility. Dublin, Ireland. Across the pond on the Emerald Isle. Or sending your kid, like your freshman. Would your parents have let you go? Uh, with that much advance warning, probably. Well, I guess if it was like, freshman. hey, it's April and you got to be there in August, my parents would be like, I don't know about that now. Well, if you're a freshman, then you would end up being a junior. No, you'd be a senior by the time you go. Uh, so if your freshman if year is ending in... 2023, then your sophomore year would be 24, your junior year would be 25. Yeah, you'd be senior 26. Okay, well, I'm going to have to write all these this just feels more complicated than it should have been. This See, this is how my brain works. You take something very happy and positive, like you get to go to Ireland, and all of a sudden I sit here and I minutiate into just sheer panic, worry, and everything else, while they're probably like, ah, we got it. It's going to be fine. It'll be, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Another headline that's a lot of fun to me for high schoolers that I would love to have been a part of is Ocean Springs High School students got to release fish that they got to raise. It's part of one of their um, classroom, I guess, curriculum. It's with the University of Southern Miss, do the top, Gulf Coast Research Lab. And for nine months, they are responsible for raising these little Tadpoles, which are tadpoles grow into, well, they're not really tadpoles, but little fish that grow into, I guess, minnows, would you call them minnows, into bigger fish. And so then they let them, they were able to let them go. 75 fish were tagged per tank. They had a total of 735 red drums, 760 speckled trout. Each student got to tag their fish for tracking, and they named them like Lady Gargar and other things. So they had <laughs> Lady Gargar. Lady Gargar. Hey, look, these were high schoolers, right? And there were seven hundred and thirty five to to name. These get slim pickings. You never had a fish? Did Not you? one named Lady Gargar, no. I appreciate that. Did you name your fish? Uh, I don't even think we had a, a fish that was named. We just had fish from the carnival that lasted a couple of days and then they were uh, flushed you, to the sea. Did you ever go through the phase of the... Um, oh. We had hamsters. Well, not hamsters. We had gerbils. What was the fish that was the trend? And it was a single fish. And it was a pretty fish. The betta fish? The betta fish. Do you know the new thing now is little frog? They're 50 bucks. They're little frogs that live alone. And they grow like it's kind of like the betta fish thing. I find it incredibly cruel. But... Um, Never had a betta fish, but you could put your betta fish under plants and things like they were home decor and all the things. It's like everybody had a betta fish, and they live for a really long time as long as you fed it. Stick with us; we got more for you coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi.
Southside, got brazen hair. First time I seen her walk by, and I about fell off my chair. Welcome back to Good Things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming live from the Supertalk Mississippi app. Hope you know you can always find us, too, on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. On the C Spire text line, Rhett in Ridgeland said, We tried the fish thing. I'm assuming you were talking about the beta fish. With our firstborn, we had salt and pepper amongst others. Great names for for pets. Gave it up after the seventh one uh, passed away because it started to feel uh, you started to feel guilty that you were killing the poor fish. I don't know if it's so much you. It could have been. There could have been something in, in the water or overfeeding or underfeeding, but sometimes those type of animals are just not... Not very hardy. Not very hardy uh, in that capacity. And so, you know... It's they, generally the way it works in the animal kingdom. The smaller the animal, the less hardy they are to survive adverse situations except for i guess in the dog world the smaller the dog the longer they typically live the larger the breed the quicker they usually cross the rainbow bridge that's not always the case but but i get what you're what you're uh saying and it does have diminishing returns because you can get really really small and then they start getting really really hardy again because you have like (laughs) the tardigrade (laughs) which is the, the water bear the little microscopic organism that can survive in outer space when you're okay because you're talking about fish a few things come to mind first my sob story with a fish i was my first emotionally attached animal that passed so i had it was goldilocks and i i got it from i don't remember where but it was a goldfish and probably the fair it's or not a carnival. it wasn't she didn't grow big i had a grand my grandmother who lived with us when um, i was in high school or, or grade school loved fish tanks she was one not the saltwater ones just your normal sort of fish tanks we all went through those phases i think in the 80s and 90s and um anyway every other fish died but her and she was lonely in there i guess but she grew kind of big but not like a big goldfish it was the first day that i got to stay home from school for being emotionally distraught because i woke up and she was belly up i think i was probably fourth fifth grade it was a bad day in the Smith house. I remember that. And we, but we had a little burial. We did the whole thing, you know. Um, I don't know if I'd be that kind to my kid, but hopefully I would be. My mom really was kind about it. I was really upset, but I didn't replace her, which, you know, a lot of people tend to do when they have pet fish. Did you, so you didn't have fit. You, you said you didn't uh, have if fish? We did. We didn't have a, a fish tank of fish. It was always like one here from the fair or back when Walmart had the fish. And yeah, the, they don't do that anymore. Yeah, they don't do that anymore. But I think I remember at one point begging and pleading and throwing a hissy fit and getting a fish at Walmart. But I was way too small to remember all of it. I think fish tanks are cool. I, it was one of my first responsibility things where I had to help clean it out. Obviously, I couldn't do the whole thing by myself because I was, what, nine or ten. Uh, as I got older, though, I guess I took on more responsibility. But And you would get the little, my, my favorite were the algae eaters. So they were little sucker fish that you would buy to sort of eat and help it keep you know, keep clean. And they were the neat little things you could go around and tap on the glass and sort of see working from the, from the other side. I thought it was... Um, it's neat. Now, as a parent, I'm like, no, that's too much, way too much effort for little things that can't go anywhere. Um, anyhow, the second thing that I've seen over, I guess, on the Internet last couple of days or maybe last week, since the Little Mermaid's coming back into theater, 
They were showing you what the real flounder looks like in real life versus the flounder, how how the flounder is is portrayed in the movie. Vast difference. And somehow the new movie has one that looks nothing like either. Correct. It doesn't have the chubby cheeks and the yellow coloring of flounder from the animated classic, and it's not flat with both eyes on the same side of its head like the real-life flounder. You wonder the original animator if they – what came first? The name? And then it was like, let's draw a fish that we feel like would look like a flounder? Or was it like Ariel will be friends with the flounder, and then you saw it, and you decided you needed to make it more friendly for children to see? Because the original flounder would be – I feel like flounder is just a fun word to name a character in a kid's movie. Well, it's a type of fish. Right. It's not a lie. But Sebastian is not a type of crab. It should be. It's (laughs) – don't ruin my childhood. It should be. It's a perfect name for a crab, though. Or maybe Sebastian. Or maybe just because you grew up and that was probably the first crab you ever associated a name with. Definitely the first singing crab. The first singing crab you ever associated with. You just feel like that was a great crab name because what else would you associate with that? At least I think he's a crab. I could be wrong. Was he a lobster or a crab? I'm not. Oh, a, no, no, no. He's a crab. I'm not he's an expert a, on Disney animated films. He's he wasn't a lot. I mean, I won't put my all my chips in that basket, but I know he's not a lobster. Lobsters have distinctly different parts. Oh, wow. Please don't tell me we're wrong. No, Sebastian is a crab. Okay. Is he a type he, of crab? He's got a really long full name. What's his whole name? Sebastian the Crab's full name is Horatio Thelonious Ignatius Crustaceous Sebastian. Do they say that anywhere in the movie? I do not have any recollection of them getting anywhere close to that in the movie. Did your kids, oh, not your kids, Toronto, but did anyone's kids ever name their pets like extraordinarily long names and then you you narrow it down you can let us know 601-879-4395 so princess ann cuddle smith was the original name on my very first boxer my first dog ever when i was a little girl i wanted to name princess ann ann's my middle name princess ann cuddle smith and then my mom was like you're gonna have to pick one for us to call her that but they put the whole name on their whatever registration and it ended up being cuddles um, uh, before I came around, I grew up hearing stories of a Toby the Terrible, which was a dog my family owned, and his full name on the paperwork at the vet was Tobias Terrilibus or something like that. It was like Latin for Toby the Terrible. Who named him? I think it was my dad being funny. That's awesome, though. Princess Anne, Cuddlesmith, and how do you say his name? Sebastian? No. You're you're Toby the Terrible, Tobias Terrilibus. Speak Latin? (laughs) I don't either. (laughs) Larry and Jackson says animals are humanized by Disney. Yes, I yes, absolutely they have to make them they don't have to, I guess. But let's just face it, all animal movies would hit differently if they all looked the way they did verbatim in the wild. Just a little bit different. Yeah, just compare and contrast the Disney animated classic for the Jungle Book versus the John Favreau live-action CGI version of the story. Right. And then take both of those and compare it to the Rudyard Kipling novel, and it's nothing alike. 
My daughter had a really big African frog. She had him in a fish tank and fed him white mice. Really? A frog ate mice? Bought from a pet store. Frog never moved, as I could tell. Frog eat mice? I would not be surprised. Do you know I heard if you – there's – I don't know if it's here in Mississippi, and it may be a law, but I heard where if you have to feed animals animals, like some are stopping where you can't buy live ones to feed anymore because it's cruelty. So you have to buy like frozen ones and then (laughs) defrost them and then feed them. There's a whole thing on how – it feels more, human, you know, to defrost rats and small mice and all the all the little things. I I don't think I could have something. I had to feed something else. Else, I get it. It's a cycle. I'm not hating on it. I just don't. I'm not sure how I like how the other one would ever get fed. I don't know if I could actually do that. It'd be hard. I could see some people having a hard time with that. Yeah. My husband would have no problem. Video it. Let's put it on TikTok. <laughs> Terrible person. We had a cat named Snuffaluck. Snuffaluffagus. I believe that's Snuffafluffagus. Snuffafluffagus. I'm going to get myself in trouble. Sn- <laughs> not to be confused with the Muppet Snuffaluffagus. So that's where I was going. So this is not that. Snuffaluffagus. Fugus. Shortened to snuff. Dan in Hannesburg, that thing ever get on my nerves? You would hear all kinds of things coming out of my mouth. <laughs> He's screaming at that cat. <laughs> yeah. And with it throughout the house, that may be part of the part of the fun of it. Do you know Wildy Wildy E. Coyote's middle name? I'm not gonna be able to say it. Ethelbert. Ethelbert. Jeff in Oxford. That's neat. I never knew that. Ethelbert. I don't think I ever recognized either that they're Wally. Like the E was. Yes, Wally Coyote. Like, yes, but I didn't. I just thought it was Wally. Well, he is Wiley. <laughs> Stick with us. We got more good for you up next. Beat, positive, and stories that make you smile. This is Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. But baby, you hardly even know when I try to show you. Song is meant to keep you doing what you're supposed to. Waking up too early, maybe we could sleep. Make you banana pancakes, pretend like it's the week. Welcome back to Good Things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. Apparently, I am behind the Wild E. Cody party, as well as African Frog Party. Let me tell you why. I had no idea when he introduced himself. I mean, how long ago would it have been since I watched 
Wild E. Coyote. Uh, at least a decade or so. Right. And so Larry and Jackson said, he said, allow me to introduce myself, Wild E. Coyote. Well, unless it's up there, like, written out, my simple ears hear it as Wiley Coyote. I never saw him put, like, the period. So I had no idea. I had no idea he had a middle name. But I think it's cool. It's a little fun trivia. And you can ask your friends who may have enjoyed that in their younger years or watched it with their kids. Did you know that the E wasn't part of the name? It was a standalone middle initial that actually had thought and meaning and a name behind it, which was... Ethelbert. Ethelbert. And I had to Google it because I wasn't sure about frogs eating mice. And lo and behold, they're carnivores. I don't know what I thought they were. I mean, I, I mean, know they, they eat bugs. They eat bugs and they eat insects. And so you can get into the debate, too. And it's really not a debate. Chickens are carnivores, if you want to put it that way. The healthier chickens eat the mealworms and the insects and sort of all the things that are free-ranged. They shouldn't just have the grains or whatever it may be. But when I think of the word carnivore, I don't necessarily think of, you know, I mean, I can't. Anyway. And so I had, but anyway, I had no idea. When you think of frogs, yes, flies, insects, the whole, you know. But apparently, frogs are carnivores. They eat other animals. Small frogs eat insects, worms, snails. Some species eat small fish. And I'm getting all my information from Google, by the way. So larger frog species eat small reptiles and mammals like mice and lizards. So there you have it. I really think if I ever came across... A large frog in their native habitat chowing down on a small mouse. I would think it was the end of times. Like I, It would catch me completely off guard and just feel, this is it. This is how we all go down. We die by frogs. They, they have, You know what? Move over Anaconda. We're going to make a sequel or a prequel. And it's going to be big old bullfrogs that are coming for you, Jennifer. What is their last name? Lopez. <laughs> what is it about that movie, even though it is incredibly animated and fake? Oh, it's all kind of campy and cheesy. That still, like, you find yourself just a little. Because it was in spooky? that. It was from an era that was like the, the last gasp of cheesy B movies that were made sincerely. Like, nowadays, you got cheesy B-movies, and they're made tongue-in-cheek. They know they're a B-movie. They know they're not going to be a blockbuster, so they're just doing it to poke fun. But in the 90s, you actually had these semi-big-budget movies that they didn't really expect to be blockbusters, but they sincerely made the best attempt to make a good movie. Think about Anaconda. Think about Congo. The movie with the gorilla that can do mm-hmm. sign language and talk, and they got to go in the jungle and get these diamonds for a laser. It's like, this, that, that, none of this makes sense, but it's fun to watch. It's a true story, yes. Anaconda was terrifying. I think it just taps into, it could be true, because you've never been to the Amazon, and they make the anacondas feel like they could be that large and unassuming and then take you down. And I don't know that... Our understanding of animals would allow for a snake to get that big, but I do believe there are animals in the Amazon that 
I think it's, we haven't seen people that live in the Amazon have seen them. Well, you know, it's but scared, they don't have what scares me Twitter about the Amazon. Tell us about it. You know, like it's not the big ones in the Amazon that should scare you. It's the ones you can't see. It's like the little the little bugs that come in and you know, what am I scared of? It's like ticks and other little things that just crawl in your crevices and just do whatever they need to do and then never come out and then you your whole world. The mosquito changed. is one of the world's most dangerous creatures and it's E D B D. Now you're in Mississippi. <laughs> they got like unicorn wings. They're coming out this this time of year for sure. Romy and Tupelo. My daughter rigged something to put in put the mice in and euthanized them by attaching the mice to her. And you know what? Never mind. <laughs> That's terrible too. Not I'm sure it was I just didn't know we were going here today. <laughs> Poor mice. I feel like they just got the short end of the what is it, the chain or the ladder or the, what do you call it? We're at the top of the food chain. They- We've been talking about Disney. I've just got circle of life running <laughs> in my head. Uh, they did not put that in. There is no mice eating frogs in, in The Lion King. Although, <laughs> what a make for an interesting plot twist. All right, stick with this. you got more coming up next with the boys from 3 to 6 with Sports Talk Mississippi. Rhino and I will be back with you tomorrow at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Mississippi Media Production.